This is the Huddle. It's not just, this is what we do. Every Thursday from noon to 2. The Huddle. It's a special Wednesday edition of the Huddle. Stacey Ross here with Jake Heaps and Dave Wyman, and we're ready to get rolling into week two. We'll start with a look back to Sunday's win over Atlanta, because who doesn't want that? But then we're going to turn to the Patriots. We've got an opponent preview coming up at 1230. Plus, we'll talk to tight end Will Disley and center Ethan Posick. That's coming up in hour two, but let's get started right now. Dave, we've had a few days to digest the Seahawks' first game of the season. How are you feeling about this team today? Well, uh, I always feel a little bit worse when I start looking at the opponent, and it's a good one. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you you just can't rest on your laurels, and, and we'll be saying that probably next week, too, even though it's Miami. But, um, but yeah, it, just, it was just such a, a, a nice start. Um, yeah. Russell, he was so good, and I know that's kind of uh, understating it, but, you know, he set a new franchise percentage uh, record, completion percentage. Beat Dave Craig, my old buddy Dave Craig, set it back in 1988. But um, he, he just looked really on top of it, uh, especially when the first play of the game, he just gets killed for a sack. And you know, and he, he probably should have checked out of that, but I'm still it, – it's just that uh, – he he just seemed to and i don't want to like you know encourage the cooking people but he just the whole offense as jim puts it the whole offense just kind of flowed through him and uh you know he just he just did such such a great job so that was really cool and then of course jamal adams and you know Bobby Wagner, the defense, Quentin Dunbar did some really good things. Uh, Quandre Diggs. So yeah, it, it was just a it was just a really nice kind of surprise because it usually takes them a while to get going. And the way the offense operated, I think, is what really stood out to me. Now I gotta ask you, since you're also a former linebacker, what did you think about the defense? Well, I mean, you know, in the beginning, they they sort of struggled to to stop the run. I want to say the first six. Uh, first six runs, they gave up like seven yards per carry, and then the rest of the way they shut them down. But um, but you know they were just so active. I mean, they compiled a lot of yards. Here's what I would say: I think they just faced the quite possibly the best receiver duo, and quite possibly the best quarterback that they'll face all year. Um, I mean, you can make the argument Amari Cooper with Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb, but. We'll see about that, but I, I thought they're they're really good. So they did chew up a lot of yards, but they made lots of plays here and there. And so there was the the way I put it. I think it's very promising that there are some good things that you know I think can happen on defense. Obviously, Jamal Adams just ridiculously good, but I was uh, yeah. That's that's kind of what I came away from. I did a football one on one thing. Um, it's I don't think it's up yet, but. Um, I did it on Quentin Dunbar because he did a couple of things in the run game that were really special, really special. And one of them was stopping a fly sweep by just getting outside and reading it and diagnosing it. We haven't stopped a fly sweep here in three years. So I, I just there was a lot of like I said, a lot of things like that. LJ Collier, you know, forcing a, a, a penalty and a throwaway. I mean, there was a lot of good little promising things that happened amidst, you know, the fact that they gave up a lot of yards. Dave, and that's a fantastic point about Dunbar because you look at it from a 
coverage perspective, he didn't necessarily have the the, the most stellar day. But it's no. not just about coverage; it's about how you are in the run game as well. And and I think that's one of the things that you can take away from this is that this game defensively, at least, that they they weren't necess- they weren't perfect coming out of the gate week one. It's really difficult to do that, especially not having a preseason involved. But they did make key plays in key moments, and that's something you've definitely got to feel positive about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like I said, lots of promise there. Um, the The funny thing was, Stacy and and Jake, that I went out to practice and I watched what Jamal Adams did in that game every day. Except I thought, well, I don't know if he can do that in a game. <laughs> and he went out and did it. I mean, it was just exactly like I saw in practice, you know. So, and I thought maybe it was a little bit too good to be true, but that guy's just a right. ball of energy. Some of my favorite plays that he made, he came up and just blasted Julio Jones, who was trying to block him. Actually got Julio mad at him. Uh, then he covered him on a deep in. I mean, it, it was it was really or a dig route. I mean, that was. That was special. He did a lot of really good things, but he just he affected a lot of plays, even the plays where he wasn't making a tackle for a loss or, you know, a, a tackle in you know hitting the quarterback. I mean, a lot of the other plays that he made really uh, affected you know a lot of other guys to make plays. <laughs> well, Dave, uh, talking about the game has been fun, but I, I think everybody is curious from. Your perspective on game day, what was that like, calling the game from remote, and what was the setup and the situation there? Well, we were in a suite over at CenturyLink, and there was huge monitors set up everywhere and cables and cords going everywhere. They built like a bench. I mean, whoever – I know Lloyd Glazer was a part of it, Brian O'Connell. Um, it puts – you know, coordinates all that stuff. Um, and some, some, some of the people at CenturyLink Field, I mean, they just had this thing – you know, just wired up. I mean, we had huge screens in front of us. For a while, we didn't have the all 22, so which is just a shot of the field. It's just a constant shot of the field. So you, we couldn't see who was running on and off the field, so it was a little bit of a struggle. But Rabel is just such a pro. And don't tell him I said this later <laughs> on, but he's unbelievable. He, he really he makes it sound so good. I loved his call on the DK Metcalf touchdown about you know you're trying to single cover me forget about it so he, he just he did a great job it was uh it was interesting but uh but it was fun man i i just happy to have football back now were you surprised i'm assuming you're talking about that fourth and five i think a 38 yarder to metcalf were you surprised to yeah. see seattle go for it there well, they did that last year in Carolina with uh, with David Moore. And the other thing that I saw at practice while I was out there is them throw about a hundred of those passes to DK Metcalf. I mean, they, I mean, that's just something that they can do. He's he's a big body. It was weird watching it on the All Twenty Two because I saw it at practice quite a bit too where you're like oh man russell way overthrew him but what you don't get from that shot is the arc that's always on russell's you know deep ball it's always like a punt almost coming down out of the air and then you know dk metcalf i mean he he just threw a perfect pass there it was just like there's just a such a small margin for error there and he just put it right and you know about the size of a cereal box downfield that's a that's the you know the target that he hit there so just really really impressed by that and uh yeah i saw them practicing that quite a bit as well 
Dave, you look at this offense and you just look at the personnel that they have, running backs, receivers, tight ends. I mean, and then you go out and see the way they executed with Russell Wilson uh, on Sunday. How dynamic is this group? How, how much did that just uh, how much did that impress you? It really, yeah, it really did. I mean, and everybody got involved, it seemed like. I mean, you know, Chris Carson catching the ball, which I think is a great way to use him. I mean, he's got really good hands, as Pete talked about during uh, the week. But also, you're giving him the ball out in space instead of in the box, and it's a pretty safe throw. And last year, he averaged like seven yards every time he caught a football. So uh, I thought that was good. Then Olsen working the zone. I mean, the way he was so patient waiting for that to clear. And then, you know, where he kind of checked up inside, uh, you know, the the end zone. And then Russ threw that heater at him, which I thought was going to stick in his face mask. But he got his hands up just in time to get it. But the way he worked that and then, you know, using the different running backs. And then very quietly... Tyler Lockett just kind of plugging along and getting his catches and, you know, he ends up with, what did he end up with, like seven, eight catches, rushed through it to yeah. nine different receivers. Yeah, and, and Lockett ends up being the, the leading receiver with eight catches for 92 yards. So just a really, I mean, they used pretty much everybody. And, uh, yeah, it was cool to watch. But Russ just looked like he was in command. And early on, too, I mean, he – he, uh, it seemed like it, it, in years past, the offense has taken a while to kind of get warmed up. But when it looked like Atlanta did a really good job against the run early on, they just went right to the pass and, you know, just carried on. All right. We are going to get caught up with the latest Seahawks news, including some injury updates next with Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. This is the huddle. We'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Joining us now is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, we are glad to have you here. As always, I'm going to get it started with the injury report because I can't help myself. We need to reset. Is there anything fans should be keeping an eye on this week throughout practice? I mean, so far all we know is what Pete Carroll has told us uh, in his Monday press conference. We'll know more by the end of today when we see the first practice report. Uh, and that's that Rasheem Green is dealing with that shoulder injury. He did come back in the game, but Pete Carroll said, I want to say the phrase he used was there's a little pinch there, which, you know, sometimes uh, can mean there's, you know, like a nerve issue or a stinger issue. Uh, so, I, you know, we don't know that, but that's just, you know, reading between the lines what it, what he could be alluding to. And we'll, like I said, we'll know more. When, uh, when we start seeing the injury report, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if he can't go or if he's in question, maybe we see Alden Robinson make his debut after after being inactive. Hey, John, John. Um, as far as what Pete said, um, sorry, Jake, um, What who, who were some players that stood out? I mean, it was obvious that Jamal Adams was really, really good. Russell, obviously, really, really good. But, you know, I mentioned Quentin Dunbar. I thought he did some promising things. But what, what – when Pete talked about the game afterwards, uh, who were who some of the names that, uh, that you know, aren't Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett? I mean, yeah, those are those are the obvious ones. And, I mean, we all saw what DK. And I almost think Jamal Adams was so good in that game, we kind of overlooked the, the way Bobby Wagner played. He he was just phenomenal as well, which, which you kind of expect out of him. One unit that I think Pete Carroll was more encouraged by than, than people might think just from the numbers, the offensive line. You know, there were a bunch of sacks and – quarterback hits early but 
first of all, those sacks weren't all on the offensive line. Russell Wilson held the ball pretty long on one of those, and there was some sort of mix-up on that first sack that Pete said wasn't necessarily on the line. But they did clean things up as they went along in terms of the, the quarterback hits and all that. There were a few too many penalties, but when you consider – that group didn't get a preseason. They're breaking in three new starters. I think Pete was pretty encouraged by what he saw. John, you uh, you see that Russell Wilson uh, won NFC Offensive Player of the Week, uh, 88.6 completion percentage, 322 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, 143.1 passer rating. I mean, my goodness, this was an incredible start for the offense and obviously for Russell Wilson, but – is this something that you anticipate seeing more of, or do you think that this was just a, you know, taking this thing week by week? A little bit of both. I mean, look, I don't think we're going to see them be quite that pass heavy every week. Pete Carroll even said, you know, they want to get the running backs a little more involved. And Atlanta's game plan, as we, we heard from their defensive coordinator talk to the media today, that they were too focused on the run and not enough on Russell Wilson in the passing game, which seems like an odd strategy, but, uh, you know, there's going to be days where, I mean, heck, it might be this week. The, the Patriots have a really good pass defense. They've got the reigning defensive player of the year, cornerback. There's going to be days it's going to be harder to throw the ball than it was last week, and guys aren't going to be as open. And that's always why Pete Carroll, when, when he talks balance, I think people misinterpret it as, you know, 50% runs, 50% passes. And that's not what balance is to be Carroll. He wants to be able to do whatever you need to do within a game to win. And week to week, I think it is going to change some. But we all we saw how good Russell Wilson is. They know how good he is. So I do think it's reasonable to expect that maybe they're a little more pass-heavy over the course of the season than last year. But I don't think it's going to be quite like that every week either. We talked about how stellar Jamal Adams looked. Bobby Wagner obviously looked great, as always. Is there anyone, though, on the defensive line, just that front four that stood out to you? Well, I mean, Benson Mayo had a couple of really flashy plays. It's it's hard, you know, play after play that for someone who's not their coach and knows all their assignments know exactly how a defensive lineman played over the course of 60-some plays. But when you're breaking up a pass on fourth down and getting a sack on fourth down, that's obviously a – very encouraging start from a guy they're they're hoping to get a lot from. And then Pete Carroll did bring up uh, L.J. Collier as a guy that they saw some good things for. He, um, he had a good pressure really early on in the game, and you know that's a guy that they are expecting big things of out of kind of a lost rookie season. You know he won the starting job, and they need him to be a big contributor. Yeah, it forced a, a bad throw, a throwaway, and then the penalty L.J. Collier did. And then you mentioned the fourth downs, John, and. Uh, Pete was really, and I was too, I thought maybe one of my favorite plays was Marquise Blair diagnosing that fake punt. I mean, he was right on it. And, and you know, we, we didn't see a whole bunch of, you know, splashy plays from him. But, uh, but it sounded like uh, afterwards Pete was really uh, excited about the way he played because we're going to see a lot more of him this year. Yeah, I mean, we saw, they again, this will change some week-to-week based on matchups, but they were, you know, he played 70% of the snaps, which was, you know, a lot of nickel and a little bit of dime, so they want to get him on the field. It's kind of funny that his his biggest flashy play of the game came on special teams, which is where he played yeah. most of his snaps last year, but uh, yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll said overall it was a good debut for him in that role, and I, I think that, you know, as he gets more comfortable, we're going to see more and more out of him. John, some new additions to the offensive line. Ethan Posick getting his first start at center. Damian Lewis, the young rookie. You got Brandon Shell over there. How did everybody you know, fare out uh, according to uh, the players and, and the coaching staff? 
again, you know, I think Pete was overall pretty happy. You know, they, there's some stuff they want to clean up. Damian Lewis had a few penalties. I think he had, what, was it two holds and a false start or maybe just the two holds. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's maybe comes with just being a rookie starting your first game and some stuff they can clean up. But overall, I think he played very well, and they're happy with what, you know, not just what they've seen all through camp, but what they got out of him week one, you know, take away some penalties and, they think he's going to be a really good player. So, again, you know, you still don't want Russell Wilson getting hit, whatever it was, seven times in the first half. But they see a lot of room for growth there. And with that being the first game that unit has played together, they're they're pretty high on the potential for that group as they get going. We saw some action also from Will Disley. We're going to have him on later in the show. Um we're also going to have uh, Ethan Posick getting his first like real start at center as going to be their regular starting center. So we already talked about Damian Lewis, but that offensive line as a whole, I have to say, I was pretty impressed by. I know they had three sacks early, but it seemed like they got it together. Um, was that your general impression too? Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe not exactly the start they wanted, but when you – you know, I, I know Pete Carroll is big on one of his rules is no excuses, so we're not going to make excuses for anybody. But the fact of the matter is, when you got three new linemen, there's maybe a chance for some bumps in the road, and there's and they had a few. But I just I really think that when you factor everything in that was a play for them to start that way, and oh, I mean overall the offense functioned incredibly well as we all saw. And yes, Russell Wilson was amazing, but that doesn't happen with a quarterback alone. You need the line to function pretty well for that offense to go. So. Yeah, and then it, since you brought up Will Disley, it's, you know, it, to me that's just such a cool story that he's just out there doing what he's doing week one for the second year in a row no coming off a serious injury. And, you know, he's a guy that they are hoping to get a really big year out of. Hey, John, uh, I forgot to ask you this. I, I, I wasn't sure if you traveled or who are you traveling this year? We know we're going to probably see you at CenturyLink, but uh, what's been sort of the, the protocol? How have you been doing interviews? Everything Zoom or – not traveling, everything's on Zoom, and um, yeah, actually, our whole department was covering the game from CenturyLink Field, so we we're still at the stadium, just not the proper one for the game. So, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if that'll change as the season goes along, but right now, with all the post-game availability being conducted on Zoom anyway, we are we are not traveling as a department. So, John, is that something that you're uh, you're you're definitely sad about? Uh, something that uh, you've been so accustomed to over the last couple of years? It's weird. I mean, yeah, I, there's part of me that definitely misses being there, but I, I can obviously understand the reasoning behind it when travel parties are limited because of you know they're trying to minimize people traveling with COVID concerns and all that. Yeah. And you know, quite frankly, my wife being home with two little kids is probably pretty happy that I'm I'm not gone and have a little more time around the house in the weekend. More time with family. Especially with all this, especially with all this smoke when you're, you know, Saturday and Sunday when the kids just are stuck inside all day. It's rough. So oh, man. It's not all bad Boyle, not traveling. Boyle's a wild man on the road, too, man. I, I miss <laughs> hanging out with Boyle. Uh, yeah. Well, that's those trips. Thing, Dave. Even if we were traveling, you can't, you, we couldn't go out here. You know, there's no, yeah. no IPAs, the hotel right. bar, oh, there's no, no going out. It's, it's just locked down in the hotel, so the, the travel's not as fun either. Well, we're happy you, to talk to you. You're exaggerating a little bit here, Dave. I don't know about wild. <laughs> I don't know if he is, John. I don't know if he is. Compared we're happy to, to talk me, to you in the meantime. Anyway. Exactly. John, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it, as always. 
Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll talk next week. Bye, John. All right. We are going to step behind enemy lines in the friendliest way possible with our opponent preview next, you guys. Patriots.com reporter Paul Perillo joins us on The Huddle. This is The Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. It's time for our opponent preview. Joining us now is Patriots.com reporter Paul Perillo. Paul, I have to ask you the very obvious question first, which is what was your first impression of Cam Newton for the Patriots? <laughs> yeah, it was a little different, you know, from someone that's been around here for you know the entirety of you know Tom Brady's 20 years in New England. It was a big change. Um, but I would say my first impression was just, uh, wow, the guy is enormous. And uh, the second impression was just, you know, his nonstop energy and uh, enthusiasm on the practice field. You know, Brady had a lot of that, too. Uh, it was a little bit different. It was more of a competitive thing with the defense, with, with Cam. It's, you know, there's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of interaction with his offensive teammates. There's a lot of smiles. And uh, it, was, it was hard to ignore during training camp. Yeah, Paul, that's, that's the thing that struck me when I first saw him down on the field the first time. It was a few years ago when we went, we went out there. He's just enormous. I mean, I'm, I played yeah. linebacker in the league, and uh, that dude, I'm glad I'm retired. That's for sure. I would not want to have to tackle that guy. But, well, I can hey, tell you, uh, how I does... did not play linebacker in the league, <laughs> and I was still uh, <laughs> extremely impressed with just, just how big he was. You know, when you got a chance to, yeah. to sort of see him on the practice field, and, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at him, and then you watch the way they played on Sunday against Miami with him getting 15 carries, many of which came between the tackles and. uh Right. They were they were runs that you would see, you know, the biggest power back in the game. You know, Leonard Fournette could have had the same kind of carries that, uh, you know, Derrick Henry, or, you know, Cam Newton didn't matter. That's the way he runs. He's a power back as a quarterback, and and that that's very strange. Yeah, you know, it's amazing to me, Paul. Every year, the Patriots are just sneaky good on defense and and the run game, and. You know, last year, I mean, just historic numbers holding uh, opponents at 24% on third down. And, but, you know, and, and you lose like all the linebackers went to Miami, apparently. And then a guy like Adrian Phillips comes in and just balls out. So yeah, I, I guess I'm not asking you, Paul, how to, to explain how Bill Belichick does this, but it is, it is pretty remarkable how always good defense there. And you, you know, rarely other than Stefan Gilmore, it's not like there's a bunch of superstars on that defense. Yeah, they definitely have that mentality that they're going to play really well as a team. And I think Devin McCourty has been a guy who's been a big part of that for a lot of years. Um, and they've had others. You know, Patrick Chung is one of the guys who opted out this season, but he's been a big part of that. They have some veterans in the back end. The secondary is extremely impressive. It's extremely deep. Uh, I think it's by far and away the, the strongest part of the team. And, I think you saw that a little bit on Sunday. I think they used 11 defensive backs on Sunday, and they had several plays. I would say somewhere between 15 and 20 plays with seven defensive backs. So that's how they do it. They do it a little unconventionally. They go from the back to the front. The front seven is not all that formidable, but uh, I think they cover up for some of that with the way they play in the back end. And You're right. It doesn't really matter who they are. They, they tend to play better as a team than they do individually. Well, Paul, you mentioned how they build their team and how they build their roster, and and there's not uh, you know big name guys up front, but yet they still doing an awesome job in the run game. And last year, late in the season, 
They ended up getting beat up a little bit. Obviously, everybody remembers the Tennessee Titans game uh, with how Derrick Henry ran and how they were able to be effective in the running game. Is that something that Patriots fans are concerned about, that they're still going to be susceptible to the running game? Yeah, it is a little bit of a concern because, uh, you know, the, it culminated with the Derrick Henry game in the playoffs, but they weren't very good against the run last year. Um, and it didn't really hurt them until the second half of the season. The first half, um, they had some games where they weren't very good against the run, but it didn't matter. I think Frank Gore, um, you know, as old as he is in Buffalo, had a 100-yard game early, but Josh Allen just, you know, just kept throwing interceptions, so it didn't matter. Um, you know, and they had some other games. I think Nick Chubb had a big game for Cleveland. Uh, against them on the ground again it didn't matter because of the turnovers that the browns committed but you know sure enough that was an achilles heel for them down the stretch and, and in the playoffs and that has been a, a, a quiet concern i would say with this year's team now miami does not run the ball all that well i think they've taken steps to try to improve that by acquiring guys like jordan howard and matt Breida. but uh, they really didn't do a great job running the ball the other day i thought the patriots held up pretty well there and you know, you mentioned the the Adrian Phillips situation with him sort of stepping into almost like a, a quasi-linebacker role, a hybrid role, and I, I thought he was pretty effective around the line of scrimmage on Sunday. We'll see if that holds up. But, you know, I, I don't know. You guys would know a lot more about Seattle's running game. I know it wasn't overly impressive in the, in the opener, but that may have been by design with the way they used Russell Wilson coming out of the gate. But I, I think Seattle would have a chance to – to have a little bit more success offensively than Miami did. It's interesting. I wonder if the Patriots might also take a different approach. I mean, looking back at this week one stats, uh, all three scores were were rushing. You obviously have Newton in there with touchdowns. Uh, Sony Michelle, we already know he's great. But New England still with plenty of receiving weapons. I mean, who should Seahawks fans be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, really, in the passing game, uh, it's just Julian Edelman. I mean, that's, I mean, the, the back catch the ball pretty well. Burkhead, uh, and, and James White, uh, are pretty effective out of the backfield. But in terms of receivers, uh, it's just Julian Edelman. The second year guy, Nikhil Harry, has been, you know, really a big disappointment. Uh, he had a couple of catches last week, but really didn't have any production. And he also had a huge fumble in that game. Um, you know, beyond that, they, they have young tight ends in Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, two rookies. Keene was inactive in the opener. Asiasi did not have any, any balls thrown his way. Ryan Izzo is the starter, and he's a capable blocker, and I think he caught one pass in the game for a big play, but he's really an afterthought. So in terms of the passing game, it's really all Julian Edelman, and, and until that changes, and I think it will be a few weeks before that changes because I don't think Cam Newton is really up to speed. Don't forget. He didn't sign until really July. Um, so he doesn't know the system well enough yet to be much more sophisticated than he was in the opener in the passing game. And Demir Bird is a kid that they got from the Cardinals. You guys are probably familiar with him from NFC West days. Um, he didn't have a single target in 55 snaps in the opener. But I do think he's a guy they plan on, on mixing in maybe as a deep threat at some point. So I think the passing game in, in a few weeks might be a little bit more sophisticated than what we've seen. But right now, if the Seahawks, you know, can, can contain Julian Edelman. I don't see much much danger that the, the, the passing game poses for the, for the, for the Seahawks. Hey, Paul, uh, I looked a little bit at Kyle Duggar uh, out of, is it Lenore Rhine? Just a, a very yeah. small Division II school, and that was such a Belichick pick. They pick him in the second round, and uh, here he's dr- uh, drawn some pretty high praise from, from some of the veterans. He only played in 11 snaps, but uh, it seems like that uh, that it was kind of a risky pick, you know, picking a guy in this, 
you know, environment out of a really small school, it sounds like it's working out. Yeah, you know, he, he was pretty impressive, I thought, during camp. Now, you know, I don't pretend to, you know, pass myself off as a scout or anything, but I thought they were using him in a lot of different ways, you know, both, you know, both safety spots, again, like Adrian Phillips, moving him down near the line of scrimmage. Uh, we haven't had a chance to see it uh, in any kind of game action, but really looks like he has the ability to be a dynamic return man as well. We have not seen any of that yet uh, in game action, but, you know, I, I think he'll be sort of worked in a little slowly, you know, like, like you said, a division two school, probably a pretty big learning curve for him. And the Patriots do like to use, you know, a lot of personnel groups and he was part of some of those on a limited basis. But I would say for, for Duggar, the athleticism is absolutely there. The, you know, the, the size is impressive. I, I could see him maybe down the road being a guy that can lock up with some tight ends. I don't think they feel like he's ready for that now. They use Jawan Williams, a second-year corner, in that role on Sunday against Mike Kosicki. My guess is that he'll get Greg Olson in this one, um, unless they want to try to match his size with D.K. Metcalf. I think there's some interesting matchup possibilities in this game for, for the Patriots. But, you know, for Duggar, I would say I was very impressed with his overall athleticism. I'm not sure he's ready mentally yet. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And just uh, real quick, what is it like out there in terms of, you know, I know there's been some issues with the air and there's been a lot of talk about that here locally. Yeah. Um, what, what to expect over the weekend. Oh, it's, uh, I can't, do you guys think it's clearing up? I mean, it's still pretty bad. A little bit. It's yeah. clearing up a little to get bit. a little bit of rain. Yeah, but uh, you'll you'll still notice it when you get out here for sure. But they, but they will. They plan on playing the game, and and they're all systems go and all that. You know, as far as we know, yes. that's the case. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. That'd be good. Maybe we'll get a little more rain and <laughs> there help you go. things out a little bit. Yeah, never thought I'd be hoping <laughs> for it, but that's what we're hoping for. Paul, I know. It's unreal. <laughs> thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, we're heading into the trenches, taking a look at the performance on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and revisiting a few of the biggest plays. That's next on the huddle. This is the Huddle, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Now, uh, normally Ray Roberts would join us for this segment, uh, but we don't have him today. It's a weird Wednesday edition of the Huddle with the Mariners on tomorrow. Uh but we're still going to go in the trenches, take a look at the defensive line, offensive line, how they performed against Atlanta on Sunday, a little bit of what we expect coming up here in week two against the Patriots. I'm going to get started, though, with play-by-play that I know none of you mind revisiting. It's cut number two right here, Adams Blitz, the first sack of the season for Seattle, this one of Matt Ryan. From his own 44, Seahawks load the line. They get to Ryan and they knock him off his feet. Back near the 35-yard line, and it is Adams again. He has been close, and that time he gets there. The first sack of the day on Matt Ryan, and it comes from the strong safety, Jamal Adams. Dave, one of the big questions we had heading into the season was, and I think it was spurned by Greg Williams, but how are the Seahawks going to use Jamal Adams? How is he going to fit into their system? It's a fair question to ask for any team when they acquire a player that can take over a game is, is how are you going to use them? I really liked the way they used him on Sunday. What did you see from them, and do you expect to see more of it? Well, I yeah, I think we'll probably see him doing all kinds of things like that. I mean, he makes plays all over the field. I mentioned 
um, earlier there was a, a deep in route or dig route or whatever you quarterbacks call it, Jake. Um, it, it's just, you know, it's probably a 17, 18 yard route um, just up the field and, you know, either stops or just turns in and he was all over it. He knocked the ball away and it was Julio Jones. I mean, it was Matt Ryan throwing to Julio Jones. So he's making a play on the ball 20 yards downfield. And then he's coming up to the line of scrimmage and knocking guys around. On you remember when uh, Bruce early on had like a, a tackle for a one yard loss, playing linebacker, which Bruce does a great job. Um, he came up and was was like he read the run there. He, him and Dunbar have uncanny skills of uh, or uh, uncanny ability to predict or diagnose plays. They're really good at that, I, and I don't see Diggs getting fooled very often. I'll tell you what, though, it's going to be a, a challenge this week because uh, Cam Newton's really good with the sleight of hand. He runs that read option, um, and they're running it a lot. I just watched the Miami game, and he he rushed for you know like eighty, ninety yards. So um, it's going to be it's going to be tough for him. But yeah, Adams really is good at. Um, reading a run. I don't know if he picks up little tips or and maybe if you asked him, he might not even be able to tell you, but it's just a sense that he gets. But yeah, he's making plays downfield. He's making plays on the line of scrimmage. When he's not in the play, he's blasting somebody. I mean, and he reads things really well. And and Dunbar's the same way. Uh, I mentioned him in in the run game. So I think once he gets up to speed, this is going to be really a, a different defense to watch. And it's going to be fun because they did give up a lot of yards, but it's they're, they're making so many plays all over the field that uh, I, I think eventually they'll come together, and I think they can be a, a top-10 defense. Dave, when you watch the game uh, and you look forward to what they're going to be facing against the New England Patriots, who are absolutely going to try and ground and pound it here on the road, um, how do you feel? Does it is it a matchup that makes you anxious or worried, or do you feel like, hey, the Seahawks are going to be ready for that challenge? Well, I, I think they have the personnel to to handle a, a guy like Cam Newton. Um, he's not the greatest passer in the world, but he's good, and then he's he's really good at, at obviously running the ball. The other thing is when you have a quarterback involved in the run game. You know, typically a quarterback hands the ball off, and he's a dead player. It's eleven versus ten. Now you got to be more disciplined, and you got to really, you know, be on your read. So I was talking about both Dunbar and Adams' ability to read plays. It'll be interesting to see how they handle Cam Newton because he does a good job of, you know, kind of like Lamar Jackson, where you know when he runs the read option, he'll wait till the very end, like the the running backs almost all the way up to the line of the scrimmage and he'll keep the ball. He'll pull it out and keep it and run. And so that's that's a difficult read for those guys. So they're, they're going to have to be on that. I, I imagine Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner, those guys are going to be a big part of, of stopping that aspect of the Patriots' run game. As far as the offensive side of the ball for Seattle, it was interesting what Paul Perillo mentioned in the last segment about the Patriots, uh, who were the top defense in the league last year, still so, showing some signs of weakness against the run. So I'd certainly expect more carries for Chris Carson this upcoming week. But there might also be more than for Carlos Hyde. I mean, what did you see from that duo, and what do you think we're going to see in week two? Yeah, I think they're going to try to get back and and run the ball. I mean, I I don't think it's going to – 
you know, be as lopsided as it was. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think both of those guys look good. I think Chris Carson, I mean, it's, it's going to have to be a little bit more coordinated up front as far as the, you know, the, the blocking. And we'll talk to Ethan Posick later about that. I think they'll, it was good to get that one under their, their belt. You know, you saw Damian Lewis make some rookie mistakes and, you know, and you saw sometimes where it didn't look great, but there were times where they didn't, they just, they adjusted and they just threw the ball because they couldn't get the run game going. So, um, but I think they will. I think they will. And I, I, don't, I don't know about you, Jake. I, I think Chris Carson is maybe the most dynamic running back from the standpoint of I would hate to play against him yeah. because you don't know if he's going to run you over. He doesn't know. You don't know if he's going to beat you to the edge because he's got good speed and jump over you. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. All the different things that that, you know, he can do to a, a potential tackler. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dave, and, and I've I've been saying that I fully believe that Chris Carson is a top five running back in this league. You know, you can look at the, yeah. the stats and you can look at all this and that, but Chris Carson is a special, special runner with the ball in his hands. Um, and for all the reasons that you just mentioned, I mean, he is he's a really fun player to watch. And, and, you know, when you look at their strategy heading into this next week, um, he'll certainly be a factor into it. And, and what I love, what I saw – from the offensive line overall was there were moments where they were shaky, but they recovered. Uh, Damian Lewis had some rookie moments, but for the most part, he did really, really good in the run game. Uh, it was great to see Ethan Posick uh, have great command out there uh, at the center position. I mean, so this is a group that coming into it week one, not having a real game to play with and, and expecting them to be sloppy, uh, they, they, they did a great job. Sorry, Stacy. I, I thought you were going to go there. Yeah, I agree. It, it, was, it was really good. Yeah. Um, I hope I hope we're all together in the same room here someday soon. Yeah, Me and Jake but, have been uh, saying during the breaks that we miss talking to you. Normally, it's we uh, all get to talk about uh, you know like ranking the candies best to worst, and you guys have awful opinions. Uh, and um, no, no, no. <laughs> I do actually. I have a question about. Um, We've been talking about the Seahawks pass rush, no surprise, all offseason. Benson Mayoa, one of the new additions, really his second stint with Seattle, though. Cut number three right here. I was happy to see him get a sack. Gurley, the tail of the eye, play fake. Matt Ryan being chased, rolls right, gets hit, gets dropped. He goes down, Benson Mayoa, all the way out to the 20-yard line on the sack, and the Seahawks are going to take over. Where's the pass rush coming from? Well, there's part of it. Benson Mayoa tracks down Matt Ryan for a sack, and the Seahawks take over. Now, I know we didn't get to see a ton of, of these guys in camp, and camp maybe isn't always the best reflection of how a team is going to look, per se, on the field against an opponent. But I do think I can't help but be excited for Benson Mayoa finally getting the chance to kind of lead the charge there. It, it, is what you saw from him on Sunday – kind of a reflection of what you saw in camp i mean did you see kind of what his ceiling is there yeah you know i i thought he he looked good at camp but you know i i wasn't quite sure um i know that they were saying great things about him and you know he had he had seven sacks last year and and then it kind of tailed off at the end but um i was really impressed with that he also had the knockdown on fourth down so he made two fourth down plays but First yeah. of all, I was surprised, Jake, that um, that Matt Ryan didn't throw that ball away. But I thought that he, 
you know, or at least try to make a play. I mean, it's fourth down, but I, I thought he surprised Matt Ryan. Benson Mayoa did with his speed. I, I thought he didn't. I don't think he felt he felt like he could outrun him and and get a yeah. chance to throw that ball. And so that was that was surprising to me. I was like, wow, he's he's got some wheels still. He wasn't expecting that Superman leap that he did, that all-out <laughs> reach for Matt Ryan. That was incredible. Oh, man. Um, well, Dave, I have good news. Uh, well, maybe not good news for you. I, I fully plan on telling Steve Rabel about all the nice things you said about him because we are going to bring in the voice of the Seahawks next. Play-by-play man Steve Rabel joins us next on The Huddle. This is the Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2. The Huddle. Welcome back to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Steve, hi. Hello. Hi, Stace. How are you? Good. Uh, Good. Thank you so much for joining us. It felt like we finally had a bit of normalcy hearing you call the game. It felt nice with Dave on Sunday, you guys uh, calling the Seahawks. But I am curious, uh, just for kind of a peek behind the curtain for fans, what was that experience like on your end? Well, uh, first of all, you know, Dave wasn't wearing any pants. I and knew that it. was a little disconcerting. <laughs> uh, but we got beyond Stop that. Stop it. Okay. Uh, actually, it, you know, we, we were all prepared for it, but then there are some things you just can't prepare for, some of the, the technical aspects that we have no control over and that our guys don't have any control over, things that are supposed to be coming out of the Fox truck in Atlanta that weren't coming out of the Fox truck. and. And, and suddenly going from crowd noise to music playing in your ears when you weren't expecting it and some little things like that that, <clears throat> that made it a little more interesting. Um, but, you know, all in all, it, it was a football game, and I, I know what my job is, and that's to make sure that we get all that information in every play, down and distance, yard line, <clears throat> how much to a first down. But when you don't get to see everything, when the picture is in such a tight shot, of players or whatever, you don't get to see the sidelines. You don't get to see the down markers. So, uh, you know, we, we had to kind of punt a couple of times. But all in all, it was still a football game, and it was still fun, and there were still big plays. And um, uh, it, 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 it was just great to kind of be back doing something that seems somewhat normal again. Yeah, that was bizarre. At one point, there was like this background noise where Rabel and I felt like we were in a in a bar. <laughs> And there was like a live band playing. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I thought I was in the movie Goodfellas or something when I hear Rabel saying, forget about it. <laughs> what was, how about that call? You're going you're gonna to cover me man to man. Forget about it. That was awesome. Did Rabel. I say that? that? Really I, I, yeah. I you did. Don't you sure did. Uh, it's good well. stuff, man. Good stuff. But that was oh, the throw good. to well, DK. We, we, you know, you, you try to be in midseason form, but Dave, as you know, as everybody knows out there, we didn't have a preseason game. So we kind of practiced yeah. during those mock games, and, and that helped a little bit. But, it, you know, it takes, a, it takes a, a little bit of time at least to get that, that timing back down and to, to kind of get into yeah. that flow. But I, I think we got there by the time we got going into the game. Yeah, just about with uh, 30 seconds left for me anyway, uh, yeah. got, got back into it. But, hey, we're going to be uh, back to, to normalcy this, you know, having 
uh, the game at CenturyLink. So that'll be nice. At least we get half of them at home. But uh, but yeah, the the call that you had there, Rapes. I think we saw. I, I've been saying. I, I think I saw them throw that go route to DK Metcalf a hundred times when I was down at yeah. practice. So you know they they take a. They take a chance there, but I think it's a pretty good one because you like what happened with Lockett. You know, sometimes you get a pass interference penalty that'll take you right exactly down there. So well, yeah, and, and, and remember DK. too, and I didn't know this um, until well after the game, and I guess Russ talked about it in his post game comments. But I, I, you know, I think some of the guys got a little ticked off when on that third down play before the touchdown pass, which was a fourth down play, uh, the 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 Falcons kind of stuffed Travis Homer on a third down run. And I guess they were celebrating and their sidelines was celebrating. And, uh, you know, it was yeah. still early in the game. And so Russ kind of looked at our sidelines and said, let's go for it. Let's, let's go after him. And you, you do, do not want to tick off Russell Wilson because, uh, as he proved with a 143 quarterback rating uh, and, and NFC Offensive Player of the Week honors, he can beat you up if you make him angry, and even if you don't make him angry. So I thought that was great that, that they came back right away with that fourth down play, and, and DK just ran a great route, and, and Russell put it absolutely perfectly. You know, we were talking about you know your great calls here, Steve, and I, I'm curious, you know, now that you're uh, in retirement, do you have more time to work on your material now? Were you spending time <laughs> working on that material? Well, I have more time to work on game planning prep, um, which I'm, I've been doing here this morning. I've also spent half my morning trying to figure out how to do uh, WebEx, whatever that is, to talk to some folks back in New England. So it took me forever to figure that out, how to turn my mic on and my camera on. I'm an, I'm an idiot when it comes to this stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. I'm and the best thing about uh, Jake doing a game is sometimes – you just don't know what's going to come out. And as long as it's not a curse word, uh, you know, like holy catfish, the way it appeared a few years ago out of, uh, out of the clear blue, you know, you just go with it. And, and so I'm, you know, as long as I don't get myself or the station or, or the Seahawks in trouble, I'll just, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> well, you've been doing a fantastic job. There's no question about Thanks, that. Um, so, Steve, as you're doing some of this prep now, as you know, we look back at you know some of the Seahawks and what, uh, the Seahawks' performance, what they've done. Do you think that you're going to see some of the same things offensively, defensively here in Week Two, or do you expect that the Seahawks are going to change their game plan a little bit in terms of how they approach this unique uh, New England team uh, that Bill Belichick has? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. And, and as you know, because you've game planned for a bunch of teams over the years, it is different every week. Pete always used to say, it's not about them, it's about us. It's about what we do. We make them adjust to us. Certainly that was the case with the defense back in the Super Bowl years uh, when, you know, you had so many great athletes on that team. You could do and you could, you could dictate to the offense, okay, here's what we'll give you. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I think maybe we'll start to see a little more of that on defense um, in that uh, our guys uh, a little bit more dictating. Now, that said, this is a completely different team than we saw just a week ago. Last week you had Matt Ryan, who's a drop-back statue at quarterback, who is a good passer, really accurate passer. Uh, and he had, you, know, you have Julio Jones, arguably one of the top three receivers in the National Football League. This, Falcon, uh, this uh, Patriots offense is a whole lot different. 
you know, you got Julian Edelman. He's kind of the top dog when it comes to receiving, and he's a little guy who skitters around. And then you got this guy who could be a tight end, an outside linebacker, you name it, at quarterback, who's got a cannon for an arm, uh, and who is maybe not quite as as sharp with the, each individual pass. But he will beat you. He will beat you. Not can. He will beat you with his legs if you give him an opportunity. So in that respect, these are two very different teams, and I'm sure the the game plan for the Seahawks, one of which is going to be wherever number one goes, somebody's got to be looking at him. Uh, And I I remember talking about this when Bobby Wagner uh, made his debut years ago, and uh, he had to chase around Cam Newton, and, and he chased him down several times. And we all thought at the time, wow, this kid is for real, Wagner. And sure enough, he's been doing it for a long time at a great, at a high level. So I expect to see that part different. And then the, 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 the uh, Patriots defense is, I think, a, maybe a, a, they don't have a lot of big names except in the secondary, but, but they're a very, very well-coached defense. I know these are the kinds of questions we ask every week, but I do still love them. Um, We had someone text in uh, the other day and say, hey, Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner were so great week one. Are they the key to a Seahawks victory week two? Obviously, they're two really important players, but I felt like Chris Carson's performance on the ground would be kind of the big factor for Seattle in week two. What do you think is going to be the key? Well, I I think they're certainly going to try to get the ball to Chris more, but you know what, uh, a swing pass out of the backfield for 20-some yards and a touchdown is just as good as a runoff tackle for a touchdown. Uh, it, it shows up differently in the stats, but it still accomplishes the same thing. However you can get the ball to your playmakers, that's what you want to do, and that's what Russell does such a good job at. Uh, you know, I, I expected us to be able to run the ball a little bit better than we did, and I think the Falcons, knowing that we like to run the ball, really loaded up at times. I would expect to see the Patriots do somewhat the same. This is going to be interesting because the Patriots, for instance, you know, they had the number one ranked defense uh, in the league a year ago, and they lost all three of their linebackers, two of them to free agency, and Dante Hightower has opted out. They lost one of their uh, one of their guys in the in the secondary. So they've got, you know, they've got some people who are who are off the field uh, and even with a great coach like Belichick, you still have to have the horses. You still have to have the athletes. So I'll be interested to see kind of what they do if they play it kind of straight up, play it just a general 4-3 defense and, and uh, you know, man up when they can or go some zone. They'll mix things up in the secondary. But I, I again, go back to what I said. I think it'll be Russell trying to dictate to the defense. Here's what we're going to do. Now you stop Tyler or you stop DK or you stop Chris. Rabes, you are the best. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I do have to let you know that Dave said really, really (laughs) nice things about you behind your back. Uh, Really? So he'll, yeah. So he, the teasing is all in good fun. I like to think. Well, he, God bless him. He's (laughs) he. We couldn't do the games without Dave. We, we, I'd love to try, but we can't do the games. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steve. Thank you so much. All right, guys. See you Sunday. See you Sunday. You guys, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Bill Belichick was really nice this morning. What? Yeah, I'll play you that audio next. This is The Huddle. This is The Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Patriots head coach Bill Belichick spoke with the media earlier this morning. You guys aren't going to believe this, but he was really nice. 
really nice. It's like a different side of Bill Belichick when he's talking about players he really, really respects. And among those players, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, no surprise there. I'm going to go through a few of these cuts with you guys right now. Let's get started. This is Bill Belichick, cut number five, talking about what makes Russell Wilson great. Yeah, he's more than a good quarterback. I mean, he's he's one of the top one of the top players in the league, um, and has been for his entire career. He's a tremendous player, obviously a tremendous person. Um, you know, he's just really good at everything, and you have to defend the whole field with him. Very dangerous, you know, in the pocket, out of the pocket. Great deep ball passer, has excellent vision, super competitive, hard to tackle. He's he's a great football player, and um, there's nobody I've more. I mean, I respect you know a lot of players, all the players really, but I mean, he's he's certainly at the top of the list of the people we compete against. I mean, Jake, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is great to hear. It's great to hear goat recognizing goat. You know, I mean, uh, I, I think that you look at Bill Belichick and and what he's done over the years and the different guys that he's had to face. I I could imagine that Russell Wilson is one of the toughest quarterbacks that he has had to face from everything that he brings to the table. Um, you know, his ability to throw the ball and run the ball, um, his competitive nature. But I'll tell you guys this. I mean, this offseason, you know, this is year three that I've worked with Russell in the offseasons. And, and, you know, he has worked extremely hard, extremely diligent. But he was obsessive this offseason about trying to be better and trying to be the best version of himself uh, for this team. And, and I think that, you know, when you look at the way that he played uh, on Sunday and how prepared he was and how how – you know, decisive he was with his decision making. Um, I, I think that that's something that you look at from Bill Belichick, and you continue to see this guy grow. Um, he already respects him as a player, but when you see the continued growth, even into year nine, um, I, I think it's impressive. I'll tell you a little secret. Um, I've always liked Bill Belichick. Me too. I know you you can't really say that here in Seattle. No, yeah, but I know. It, we should allow it. We should allow just for today. <laughs> Dude, just Dave, just people are listening, man. A special allowance, uh, you guys. I, I, I like Bill too. Well, I read uh, the book by David Halberstam, um, Education of a Coach. And I just, after having read that, I just always really respected him. I mean, he just is, he's got an a knack for coaching and it's amazing i mean they never have anybody on their defense i mean stefan gilmore we all know who he is now but i mean for the most part and they're pretty much always the best defense in the league i mean i always say this they're sneaky good run game their run game is always good and they're sneaky good on defense without a bunch of superstars so you know that his ability to take away things and that'll be what's interesting you know he's talking about Russell Wilson that's the one thing he likes to do is take away what you do best and it'll be interesting to see how uh, how he does that speaking of defense in cut number six right here Bill Belichick took some time to talk about what he sees in Bobby Wagner yeah Bobby's a yeah he's a great football player you know super productive he's got a great nose for the ball very instinctive uh, runs well there's just no price you can put on that just knowing what's going to happen or being able to anticipate what's going to happen and then being able to, you know, to get there and, you know, make the play when right in the middle and, you know, you're, you're a bullseye for somebody on every play. There's no plays where, where you're not blocking 54. Dave, what did you make of Wagner's performance week one? Yeah, he had he had a good game. I mean, he was jumping uh, the the underneath routes really well, and he jumped one on the one I described earlier about Adams – uh, where he ran the 
uh, or he knocked the ball away from Julio Jones on the deep in route. Bobby jumped the underneath uh, route, and you know usually you're not supposed to do that, but um, I'll, I'll bet you that. You know, Adams is saying, hey, go ahead and jump the underneath stuff because I'll, I'll take care of the deep stuff. Um, that's that's kind of what it looked like to me. But, yeah, he was he was all over that. Um, had a couple of those tackles, you know, where the ball came out, and then he had a really nice third down stop, which he sometimes he'll shoot a gap, and I don't know if it's a run blitz, meaning you're just going to run through a gap, or he just read it really well because he reads things well. So, yeah, he'd, he kind of had – a sneaky good game, you know, because we were all about Jamal Adams and, mm-hmm. you know, everything that he did. But, but you know, there's a, a couple of guys, you know, I thought LJ Collier I mentioned earlier. I thought Puna Ford had a pretty good game as well. Yeah. He made a couple of plays. So, but it was just all overshadowed by Jamal. Now, there's a little bit of an interesting angle specifically about Jamal Adams for this game. Cut number seven right here. This is Belichick talking about him. As a reminder, he is already used to facing Adams from his time with the Jets. Yeah, he's a tough player to handle. Of course, we saw a lot of him at the Jets, and, you know, he was a very disruptive player for us against us, you know, in our games with the Jets. And he's a guy you got a game plan for. You got you know, you got to be able to handle. He, he can really, you know, do everything well. He's very good around the line of scrimmage, fast, good tackler, good pursuit player, um, instinctive in coverage, and, and, uh, you know, he kind of controls the middle of the field. Jake, I don't even know how you game plan for Jamal Adams, but, I mean, at least Bill has some experience with it. But, man, I'm curious about that matchup. Well, from an offensive perspective, it's really difficult. It's difficult because Adams was actually lined up in places that you didn't know he was going to be in. I mean, Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan even said that, which is surprising that Dan Quinn was – uh, surprised by the right. role and the different places that Jamal Adams was placed in. So it, it makes it difficult, but they'll always, and I think this is probably a, pos- a positive, Dave, um, is that the offense now that you look after week one, they're definitely going to be tilting their protection schemes towards Jamal Adams, which is probably going to give a chance for other guys to be freed up. Yeah, well, you know, here's how you prepare for them. I always call these guys extra meeting guys there are some guys that you have to have extra meetings for it's not just a quarterback you're playing when you're playing russell wilson you know it's not just a safety that you're playing against when you when you play against jamal adams and so and Clowney was kind of that guy too you have to have extra meetings for him we have to you actually pay attention to this guy because everybody's great in the nfl but sometimes you get someone that is head and shoulders even above everybody else and Adams is one of those guys so um but yeah it'll it'll be fun to watch how this develops throughout the year I just was so encouraged I think my favorite play I mentioned it twice now was him knocking away that 18 yard route because he was in like a deep cover two you know so he can play up to on the line of scrimmage but he also can make plays back there and so you know uh, here's the other, also I want to mention really quick. I know we're doing Bill Belichick. If uh-huh. you have the game recorded, go back and watch the second play of the game. Quandre Diggs takes a, you know, not a great angle, but he makes an open field tackle on Gurley. The second play of the game. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how he got his body to do that. It's like someone. First of all, he was almost like horizontal to the ground, and somehow his feet were still on the ground. And he, like, flung himself back at him. So, you know, the the safety play w- was was really good, and it'll be interesting to see how, how Belichick, 
you know, is is able to attack the the safeties. How about that? I just brought it back to Bill Belichick. Even though I just <laughs> wanted everybody to watch play number two, you've got to watch Quandry. That's a pro True move. A pro move. Uh, also, what I love about having uh, two former players on the show with me right now is that kind of insight, you guys. And that's not even sarcastic. Um, we are going to have uh, two more players joining us to close out the show in the next two segments. We'll get started with Will Disley next on the Huddle. This is the Huddle, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross waiting on Will Disley to join us. Seahawks still on the field for practice, so that should be shortly. Uh, In the meantime, you guys, I'm glad we're talking to Will Disley today because I know that he didn't go out and put up you know an insane kind of like multiple touchdown 100 yards whatever but he almost didn't need to because it was great to just see him fit right back into that offense um I think that it is clear the way Pete Carroll talks about this guy Dave that he has been so impressed with the way that he's tackled his rehab from a second injury and in kind of a rare way it sounds like it's it's really impressive to me because and while we're waiting for Will, I'll tell this story. I worked as hard as I ever did in the off season when I turned 30 years old, just because when I hit 30, I was like, I'm an old man. I've got to really work my tail off. And I did. I got my body fat down to like 8%. I mean, I was as strong as I'd ever been. And the three days before the opener that we were going to play on ESPN and everything, I got my knee blown out in practice. And I went, and it didn't hurt or anything. I mean, I but I went in the showers, and I remember I just I stood in there and just cried for 15 minutes because it's so discouraging, man. You you work all off season, and especially for Will, um, having happened, having had that happen early in the year, both yeah. both times, game five, game six. So that's the part that's impressive to me because. You know, emotionally, it's just, you just go, man, I just did all that working out, all that stuff for nothing. And it's really discouraging. So um, his attitude has been really good. And I saw him a few weeks after, down on the field, after he, you know, got the, the surgery and everything. And he seemed to be in good spirits. But we talked to him earlier, and he said he was down there for a while. And a lot of his teammates and his friends really picked him up. You know, it, it's one of those things, Dave, as you mentioned, your experience dealing with that, that I just can't imagine going through that and saying, okay, here we go again. You know, you, you had to deal right. with that the one time. He deals with it twice. And then then right after that, he has, you know, he, he's described it as that mourning period, I believe, with you guys, actually, and that he was able to get right back to it right after that and have the the normal you know will disley uh mentality that he always has in that upbeat positive attitude and uh it, it is really fun to see him back and i hope that this combination between him greg and and hollister really help him stay healthy and helps him you know continue to be a factor because you got to rem- also remember last year he was having an incredible year six no touchdown doubt. passes really before was. Six, uh, before he before he got out and would have been a top a, a top guy. Yep, yep, yep. And joining us right now is Will Disley. Will, thanks so much for taking the time. How did it feel to get back out there week one? Oh, I was happy to come away with the win. So, um, but you know, can't celebrate too quick. We're on the Patriots right now. 
Yeah, already looking at the Patriots, Will. It's, uh, it, yeah, you can't uh, sit there and rest on your laurels too long in the NFL. But uh, tell us how, how fun that was to get out and play football. And, you know, especially from your perspective, coming back from the injury, being with your team. I mean, there's nothing like a road win. Tell us about just uh, how that must have been kind of a joyful moment for you, uh, considering w- what you came back from. Yeah, I think uh, just aside from the whole COVID deal and not knowing if we were going to get there, but, um, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, kind of fight my tail off to get back to the team and then to go through a a road game, traveling, being with the guys and uh, coming out with a win, especially, uh, you know, it just was gratifying for sure. Um, Worked really hard. And, you know, the reason I do it is for my teammates and to be out there with them and, and to just uh, be a part of this amazing program. So, uh, you know, it was definitely celebrating. And uh, like you said, though, can't, can't celebrate too hard. We're, we're on to New England now. Well, you talk about, you know, on to New England now uh, after you guys are able to go through that great week one opener. What's it like being a part of this group where you just have so many dynamic players that you guys really can be multiple and you guys can really put stress on defenses in terms of, the different personnel groupings, you know, heavy formations, spread out formations. It's got to be really fun to be a part of. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just love being a part of this group. Uh, it's a group that's, you know, led by Russ. And, uh, you know, we work tremendously hard. Uh, and it just comes from the leadership and Russ and Greg and, um, you know, Dwayne, those guys. They're, they're, they're showing day in and day out what it takes to be successful. And, um, you know, I think it's great for guys that are young like me and DK and, um, some of the proven guys as well, just to show the consistency that these guys bring and, uh, you know, with the ton of weapons, it comes from the preparation that we do, and, and it starts at the top. Hey, Will, we talked to you on our show about, um, you know, you said you went through kind of a, a you mentioned the morning period, uh, and a lot of your, your friends and teammates, you said, really picked you up. Who were, uh, who were some of the guys that, you know, you, got, you found some inspiration from? Yeah, I, honestly, you know, it's the guys that you wouldn't expect. It was, uh, you know, just random guys coming up to you and saying, hey, man, you got this, and um, just checking in. And, and you just you just never know how far, like, a, one of those goes, right? You see someone in the hallway or on the street, hey, hope your day's going good. Like, that really, that really brings people up, and that's kind of what it was. It wasn't, you know, Always, obviously, the people that are in my close circle were there for me 100% of the time. But it was the the random guys that you were like, oh, I didn't realize we were that close, and how much those relationships really mean to me. And um, that was really fun to see, and it kind of just solidified my thinking of, you never know just what a simple hello will do, and um, try and brighten someone's day. Well, I, I love I love your game. I love watching you play. Um, one of the, one of my favorite aspects is knowing that I'm going to be going to the film and and watching Will Disley just absolutely destroy people in the running game. What what has been your mentality and why you have been able to be such an effective blocker? Yeah, I think uh, I think when I came into the league, you know, everyone was like, he's a you know run blocking tight end, and obviously I wanted to show people that I could do both, but. I definitely hang my hat on the fact that I'm able to do it, and it's a it's a want to thing. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that are just as big as me and athletic as me that uh, maybe just don't have the want to, and so that's kind of what I want to bring to the game: is just some grit and, and want to do it in the run game, and just stick my hat in there. So, you know, I think in this league, it, you know, you got to have a specialty, but I'm kind of trying to do both, I guess. Well, ultimately, it's because he's a D lineman from Montana. That's how he started out. That's, that's where his go. roots come from, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, tell us about um, 
tell us about Greg Olson and he just seems very masterful the way he runs his routes. What kind of uh, what kind of things have have you learned from him? He seems like he's almost like a coach on the field out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I just touched on the preparation. Um, you know, it was interesting to see just the learning phase of uh, you know fall camp, and then we got into game week and just how much detail oriented he is and. Um, what he wants to see in the film and the, and the cut-ups that he gets. and um, just I think he does a lot of visualization, which helps him with his route, so he's never surprised when he goes out on the field. and um, Definitely something that I, I do, and, it, again, it just solidifies it. So um, he's been awesome to have around. Even I mean, the whole room has been, been awesome, Luke and Jake and Greg and myself and even the young guys just working together and um, you know, bringing the energy all the time. It's been fun. Well, you talk about doing both, wanting to be both, and you certainly have proven yourself to be able to do both. There's no question about that. Um, and and it's, it's fun to see uh, the transition that you have made. But you, you look into this year, you look into what you guys are going to try and accomplish here in week two. You know, what are some of the things that you guys have you know, looked at at New England and said, okay, this is going to be a unique challenge? Yeah, I think I think New England is going to be a great test for us. Uh, you know, they got a tremendous scheme and coaching staff, and um, then they just reload with players. So uh, it's going to be a good test. You know, they bring a lot of challenges, um, just varying their fronts and and their schemes and stuff like that. And so again, it just comes to preparation. How much film can you watch, and how how much you know the the playbook going into the game, and then it's all about executing. I think uh, there's the New England allure, and everyone is afraid, but, you know, something that I learned a long time ago is respect all and fear none, and that's what we're going to do this week. <laughs> hey, Will, take us kind of inside of how different it was going on the road this year with uh, all the restrictions and everything, and uh, I, I think you guys were on, like, a bigger plane. Um, you're probably each getting your own row. Like, when you get there, I guess you, you can't really leave the hotel. Tell, take us through how, how that trip was different than normal. Yeah, I think uh... – you know, there's kind of a bubble that we're operating under. You know, when we go on the road. I think it's the best thing is just to keep everyone safe, not just the players, but the staff as well. And so there's less numbers. So I think it creates a challenge. You know, on game day preparation and um, for the staff. And then um, as far as the plane goes, uh, you know, everyone that gets on the plane is tested negative. So um, there's some confidence getting on the plane, including the flight attendants. And um, and then when we get there. Yeah, there's no, you know, that's kind of the best part is going to these these cool cities and and seeing the sights and yeah. getting some good dinners. But um, they wanted us to stay in the in the hotel and and kind of isolate and uh, you know quarantine for 24 hours, I guess, if you will. But um, we did a good job. Um, you know, we kept the business as usual and were able to get our meetings and our walkthroughs and and uh, come out with a win. So um, I think we were able to handle it pretty well. Now, Will Greg Olson is much older than you. Uh, do you also have him calling you Uncle Will, or is, do you guys have a different nickname set up? I think it's just the fans and, and my Got niece, nephews that, that go with Uncle Will. Uh, you know, disc gets thrown around a lot, but okay. I'm, I'm a guy with a many nicknames. But what's uh, another one? What do they call I'm, you? What is it? They call me Dis or Will or or Bill or Billy Bozeman. I mean, there's so many I can go down the list. Billy Bozeman. Uh, yeah, that's the old one. Uh, hey, so. Before yep. we let you go, Will, uh, we're getting ready to have Ethan Posick on. Uh, I don't know how well you know Ethan, but what's something that that we would we could ask him or give him a hard time about, or any background, any any ammunition for uh, for Ethan Posick? Ethan Posick, talk about the Louisiana River Rats. 
Um, he's an LSU guy. He's, he's proud to call himself. So, so ask him what that means to be a Louisiana River rat. We will do that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. All right. Appreciate you guys. Go Hawks. All right. Thanks, we'll see if we can uh, grab Ethan Posick off the Seahawks practice field. This is The Huddle. This is The Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. We're uh, trying to get Ethan Posick, center for the Seahawks, off the practice field here. Uh, don't have him yet. In the meantime, we have been advised by Posick's teammate, tight end Will Disley, to talk to him about the Louisiana River Rat. You guys, I've been doing some Googling. I legitimately can't tell if uh, this is a real river rat that I'm looking at or if a Louisiana River Rat is some kind of, like, LSU joke that I don't know about. I'm going to get to the bottom of it, but needless to say, I've just been looking at pictures of Nutria. I don't know. They look like cute little beavers. Look at them. Yeah, beavers without the tail. No tail. They have rat tails. Yeah. Well, that'll be a a really fascinating uh, (laughs) question to ask him. This is the riveting stuff we get to the bottom of. This is what people who listen to the huddle, they want to know these things. The so, people yeah. want to know. Thankfully, we have, them, we have them joining here in just one second. I mean, this is obviously going to be the first. I want you guys to know this is the first thing I'm asking the second we get them on the line. I mean, we can get to the uh, offensive line. Gonna, I know all of it's important, but this you're is. You're going to steal my question that I got out of Will Disley. You're going to steal it. Well, okay, no, Dave. Go ahead. I'm going to clarify. Go I'm going to clarify for you, and then you can go with it. So, Ethan. No, no, no. That's Are you okay. there? Yes, I'm here. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, we have been advised by an anonymous teammate, not Will Disley at all, someone anonymous, um, to talk to you about the Louisiana River Rats. I have a question, though, Ethan. Is this a real river rat, or is this like a joke, an LSU joke that I don't get? <laughs> um, yeah, so this is... This goes way back. Um, this is just a, like a funny joke for like the freaks that come out of Louisiana, uh, like <laughs> super athletic, okay. super <laughs> athletic. Um, like when you think about guys like uh, Mingo, you know, um, you know, me and Delu aren't from Louisiana, right. but we call each other that. Um, you know, DJ Flukers from New Orleans. That's yeah. a Louisiana River rat. Um, so, you know, just back to the college days, that's what that's what we call, you know, these athletic freaks that come out of Louisiana. Ethan, I've been looking up photos of these <laughs> river rats, and I've been, like, looking up facts on Wikipedia ready to, like, talk to you about it, and now I'm just, I'm thrown off. Yeah, you know, I don't know anything other than very athletic, good football player, um, and that's about that. <laughs> Okay, well, that's you then, Ethan. You are you are now our Louisiana Riverette. Good, good stuff. Good game, man. Uh, how did you feel out there, and how was it, you know, working with a, a fellow River Rat there? And then, you know, just uh, you know the way you guys all came together uh, really put up some good numbers. Must have felt good. Yeah, it was good to get out there. Um, you know, good to you know, especially not having preseason, man. I felt like we just had to get out there. Like we just had to go. And uh, it was fun. Um, I think Damian, you know, Damian Lewis did a great job. Um, you know, he just keeps getting better and better every day. So it was fun to get out there, and I felt like 
I feel like it was just fun. You know, we were just flowing. Ethan, it, it, you you talk about just you know flowing and, and getting into the rhythm of it. You know, it, it's got to feel good because you know that was your primary position when you were at LSU, and and you've kind of transitioned from center, guard, tackle. Do you feel at home uh, playing playing at center now? Getting the opportunity to do it. I tell you this, I feel good. Uh, you know, you never know, you know, what's going to happen over the course of a year with injuries and everything. And uh, so I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, dead set, you know, this is my home or whatever. Um, you know, if the team needs me to move around, I can move around. Um, but, to, you know, I tell you this, I feel good. Uh, you know, and this is NFL, you know, just got to continue to get better one day at a time. That's that's my goal, you know, just, you know, take today get better, and then, you know, continue to just try to stack days and try to improve your game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that completely makes sense, Ethan. Um, what has it been like in terms of as you've tried to make this transition in training camp to really work on that communication between you and Russell? And what has that been like for, for you, you know, really diving in and working hard to make those protection calls right? Yeah. Um, you know, just one of those things that, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, the more uh, of a flow you get into. And, um, you know, Russell does a great job, too. He's so easy to communicate with. So it's just fun to, you know, continue to to just get better and better and uh, just continue to keep working. Ethan, I have two things to tell you. Well, one's a question. The first one is that those river rats are called Nutria, and I want you to know that they're also here in Washington. I didn't know this until we were told about it, but they're on Lake Washington. Um, I don't know that they look like crazy freak athletes, but they are horrifying, and I never want to meet one in my life. That's the first (laughs) statement. (laughs) Just letting you know. Keep your eyes peeled, because you guys, your practice field is on Lake Washington. You don't know when they can jump out of the bushes or something like that and run onto the field. So just stay on high alert. I'm warning you as a friend. The second thing is, for a fan's perspective, um, what's uh, what's kind of the mood? That, are you guys trying to get any kind of vibe going of, against or uh, with the offensive line? Because I think one of the things that I've loved hearing um, from some linemen is when they say, like, we're trying to get an aggressive attitude. And it's just fun to hear from, you know, a group that uh, that you're really trying to be kind of aggressive and have an attitude when you're out there. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I think... I think that's that's what's fun about playing O-line is when when you can get after them and um you know have fun. So uh that's definitely like what makes playing O-line fun and uh you know that comes with, you know, everyone being on the same page and you know putting the work in each week and um you know knowing knowing each other and how we fit blocks and stuff. So that's definitely what makes O-line play fun. <laughs> Hey, Ethan, you know what? I, if I was a center, I think the one thing I would probably forget the most would be the snap count because <laughs> you got lots to do up there. And I think we, t- we interviewed some, I think it was Justin Britt uh, a few years ago, and he goes, yeah, you know, sometimes I do because you're doing all kinds of things, right? I mean, you're calling out the front, you're communicating with Russell, and you have things like that. Did that ever happen to you? Um. You know, I think I'd be lying if I said it never happened. It's definitely, it's definitely on the the list of things that 
you know, you got to be focused on, you know, because you got motions, you got all this other stuff too um, that can change the box and how the box is. And um, so, yeah, that can definitely happen. The good thing is, you know, I got my guards next to me, and if I ever need to ask them a question, I can ask them a question. And, um, you know, they, you know, I'm sure they've bailed me out. <laughs> Ethan, thank good you stuff. so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks you all for having me. Yeah, good luck out there week Thanks. two. All right, this has been the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross. Now, Dave is unfortunately going to leave us, but you'll be coming back for Bob, Dave, and more. Um, yeah. Just saw your co-host in here. Sounds like you guys should have a fun show planned. Obviously, uh, Mariners later in the day. Up next, though, we've got Tom, Jake, and Stacy. So don't go anywhere. Dave, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Had a blast, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, this has been the huddle. Tom, Jake, and Stacy is next.